Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than them annoying Furby things. I didn't have one, but they were 90s and I'm running out of things. My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. Coming to you from the pouring rain that we're having on this November day. And I'm joined, as always, he's in a nice cosy pub, pub like a man. Like he's in the football tavern, of course. Mr. Ed Chambers. Ed, how's the pub? How's the rainfall down your end? Yeah, the, uh, it's absolutely lashing it down here. I'm going to have to get some trade people in, I think, to, uh, to, to look at to look at to look at the roof. I'm not sure if Stuart Pearce is still in the electrician's game, yeah. but just in case that, advert in you know, the program that. and all that. Yeah. Um, Jeff Jeff Horsfield was a builder, so I probably need one of them nice. as well. Um, and if anyone's good with Wi-Fi, that would be handy. Yeah, well. we're having some problems today. Aren't yeah. we, with some Wi-Fi. So if this drops out slightly, we apologise, yeah. but yeah. we're trying to fix <laughs> yeah. it. We're trying to work. Yeah. It. I'll do it in the edit, whatever, and yeah. all that. Um, let's make this a, a quick one then um, before we before the the uh, the rain decides to drain out our internet. Um, yeah. Ed, um, before we introduce today's guests, um, anything 90s on your agenda? I mean, uh, we should probably talk about the England squad. I know it's not 90s, but that was announced this yeah. week. Um... It, it wasn't it wasn't unexpected was it i don't i, I don't i don't think there, there was as a, as we said last week uh, no gas there was no gas going moment in the internet in the uh, in the squad um and i just think that um i think ivan tony can feel a little bit um yeah. unlucky but he probably made his run for the squad a bit too late um i think if it i think he'd been in this form for 18 months to two years maybe i think southgate may have taken more of a more of a notice but yeah other than that i think as we said before the third goalkeeper i mean it- yeah it does yeah it doesn't matter yeah i think the majority of the squad was was locked in wasn't it basically so yeah. i think as you know i think connor gallagher was the only kind of surprise i didn't really yeah. see that come in yeah um, i right. think james ward prowse can probably feel slightly aggrieved that calvin yeah. phillips has been chosen ahead of him but yeah. Southgate has his men and all that, but yeah, exactly. no gas at the moment. Bring it back to exactly. what we like to talk about. And, pop- and this time next week, we'll know how we'd have done in our first game because obviously, yeah, uh, I know it's bizarre, we're, isn't it? I know yeah, it's, it's I was crazy. out last night and going, oh my god, we'd, we'd have played this time last week, and it's like yeah. I've just yeah. watched, you know, the, the domestic football. It's a very bizarre time. Talking mm. of England and World Cup, though, I've I been watching the um, Italian ninety documentary on Channel oh, Four. Yeah. I know, I know this one on Sky. I haven't got around to watching that one yet. That's next to my agenda. So I've watched the the channel for one and i is is it any good it's so i mean this i I suppose it's to everyone's taste i wish channel four had built it more that they were going to cover is very hooligan based and i have no interest in that and it's just i know it's part of the story i get that and you have to touch on it because where football was in the late 80s compared to 90s and it's the whole redemption story i get that that is the narrative then the curve they kind of go through throughout but yeah. they, there is so much of it that I just found myself kind of zoning out after a while. And when they interview, you know, old boys who were part of a firm back in the day and stuff. And I'm, yeah. I've just, as a football fan, I've generally got no interest in that area. I know we've got yeah. friends who kind of like that kind of, not like the the fighting, but are interested in how that all came about and that sort of thing. And I'm not condoning any of it at all, at all but it's just, it's not, I, I want to know about the football. And I know there's been plenty of documentaries over the years and maybe they were going for a different, aspect of it that we hadn't seen or, or touched on but not for me jeff i should say no. yeah exactly yeah no I, I it doesn't i'm not rushing to watch that based on what you've yeah what you've just said to be perfectly honest i mean you know i mean that the foot the, the football violence is is part of you know is part of our history in this in in our football history and you know it is important it's important to learn you know the the lessons from the past as well um 
and yes, it is. It is interesting. You should be looking at the football and the and the and the social change that happened around the start yeah. of the decade, rather than focusing on things that had happened pre-Italian. Yeah, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of Heisel in it, which I know is the backstory to the pre-Engine, but yeah. there's just too much. Like they kept going yeah. back to it. And yeah, I don't need. I want to know. You know. I, I want the fluff, basically. I want the stories within the fluff of Italia 90. Yeah. I want to know yeah. what happened in the England camp. I don't need to know what's going on outside because a lot yeah. of it wasn't it wasn't pleasant. So I don't really no. want to... And I know no. TV shouldn't always be pleasant, but no. I watched the Sky one. Someone told me the Sky one touches on it, but not as much. So right. kind of bizarre that, that they've both done Italia 90 documentaries exactly at the same time as well. I don't... I, I, yeah, I think Italia 90 is incredibly popular with a yes. certain age a certain age bracket, which would probably be our age bracket. Oh, bastards like us is the throw. Oh, yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and you know, as we're approaching a World Cup, it's obviously the right time to yeah, the right we time don't to show really it. Really see France '98, which I think's got so many stories. Yeah, well, and it's I've... probably my third least, my third fav- least favorite of those three in the nineties. Yeah. Even though I love France '98, everyone yeah. knows I love USA '94 and Italian '90 yeah. is my birth. But yeah. You don't, I'd love to uh, like a proper depth into a, a deep dive into France 98. That'd be awesome. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe that's a time bound thing as well. Mm. I think maybe, maybe as we get closer to the next World Cup and obviously the World Cup after that, um, perhaps there'll be more because that, that is 30 odd years ago and, and maybe that's. We'll move on. Yeah. Maybe, well, there'll be maybe plenty that's... of USA 94 content in four years' time because oh, the, absolutely. the World Cup will be in. America, yeah. Canada, and Mexico um, says excitedly, "Watch his hands." Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I don't care um, how I get there. I, I did. Actually <laughs> We're going to be wife, there. I, I did say to my wife last night, "I'm going." That yeah. is I was like, <laughs> you got a four-year warning. Yeah, I said, I said, I said, this is four years. I don't care if if I'm if I'm you know if I'm going. I don't see a single game within yeah. the stadium. I'm still going to America. I think to enjoy the experience because I've never been to a World Cup. We'll take a live and kicking on the road. Why not? <laughs> you know. I don't know in four years' time we'll still have things to talk about from the nineties. Why not? <laughs> but you know. we'll we'll try and find oh. it. We'll yeah. try we'll take we'll take our Matt as well. He wrote the USI ninety four book. I'm sure he'll be up for it. So um yeah. Yeah, yeah of course he will. And stuff. Yeah. Um right, let's get on today with show because uh we're we're trying to claw our way before our internet dies. Um it's it's an interesting one, this one. It's Jeff Shreves. Like People don't, you know, when you say Jeff Shreves, you're like, oh, yeah, the bloke from Sky. But I don't think you realise what a monumental part. And he's just always there from yeah. the 90s onwards. Yeah. We've kind yeah. of grown up with, you know, thank you, Jeff. And that's what the, you know, the new book's called as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's going to be good. It's, yeah. it's going to be good because his book is just littered with stories. Yeah, uh, it's brilliant. I, I. I genuinely would recommend it. I'm about 70% of the way through it and I've really, really enjoyed it so far. He's lived a life, Jeff Shree, isn't he? Oh, without, <laughs> oh, with, with, without doubt. He's, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, yeah, let's look forward. That, well, let's look forward to, to speaking to him then. So, um, but by his own admission in the book, he, he sees himself as a very lucky boy. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. That's, okay, well, that's, that's bring him in. That's talk to Jeff Shree's then. This is Alive and Kicking. I'm Ash Rose. That is Ed Chambers. And this is your episode with Jeff Shreves. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. 
joining us now on Alive and Kicking. Big pleasure this is. And we're going to go down some areas you probably haven't been on the podcast in terms of broadcasting and everything like that. So it could be really interesting. Um, he's got a new book out as well, which we'll talk about in just a second. Um, pleasure to be on Alive and Kicking. Jeff Shreves, welcome to the show, Jeff. Hello, guys. How are you both? We're very good. Well, thank you. Yeah, we're very good. Good to speak to you. Um, now, I'm going to put, I'm going to, throw this at you straight away because i will text him before and i think i know the answer to this now because having watched you all these years and you've been obviously a big public figure with sky no one's ever known which team you actually support and i don't think you're going to tell us jeff are you i may have said this once or twice in the past actually because as you can imagine i have been asked this question yeah and my response is always the same i'm a fiercely independent sports reporter with no great bias allegiance or loyalty <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> or you believe like, that you believe anything yeah <laughs> it, it, it looked like you were reading that from some sort of script on the wall that you've got there in front of you. yeah that was impressive I'm, well i'm asking because normally the first thing we do is we call it the 90 cv and we ask the the guest about their club and about their players but i will respect that and you're not alone ed here he remains anonymous for his team as well so yeah. perhaps i should perhaps i should come up with some sort of uh you know some sort of slogan like that that says why i'm not revealing my revealing what's your what's your ed what's your reason for it what's my reason for it so jeff i oh no here we go (laughs) i on on twitter i run a pub now i know that sounds ridiculous but during lockdown i really really fancied a pint and i couldn't get out to have the normal chat that i do with my mates down the pub so i decided to set up this page on Twitter thinking that about 100 people at most would follow me and I'm now just under 13,000 and I get people coming in sort of chatting to me all the time and me chatting to other people all the time and sort of in a way straight sort of way I've made quite a few friends through it and I thought just to keep it simple I thought nice. if I don't reveal who my team is and who well nice because otherwise if I if I say who my team is I might get a lot of stick for example and I just thought let's keep it let's keep it nice and relaxed and let people okay. just have a nice chat because Twitter can be, um, as you probably know, and you might have seen, it can be a bit, bit of a poisonous atmosphere in certain clubs, you know, in certain you teams. You don't and, say. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. So I, the crows, this is news. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. Sorry, breaking sky news here. But um, a yellow just, bar uh, down the bottom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so I, just, I just thought, people need a break from that sort of stuff do you know what i mean like they they don't need yeah, to no i i agree i agree with you yeah. i don't like the, the toxic toxicity of yeah. or toxicity of yeah. um twitter right but I, I know i've done my job reasonably well post-match um yeah. not that social media is a complete barometer not by any stretch of the imagination but if i get absolute silence or yeah. I get dogs abuse from both sets of fans. Then it's it's, it's a it's a good, a good yeah. day's work. So uh, yeah, that's a, that's I, a good question. Do you do you actually do you check it after a after a match? Like if you've not if you've imme- done not, your... Im- not immediately afterwards. No, no. But you um, would you I, would I, have I, a look. I yeah. I use um, I use Twitter mainly for as a news gathering tool. Yeah. I follow lots of journalists. I follow lots of players. Lots of clubs, and it. It's for me still the the quickest, the most instantaneous way of knowing what's happening in the football world mm. in the main. In the main, yeah. um, so I use it. <clears throat> excuse me for that reason, and obviously there's crossover working for Sky, the clubs I've covered that day, etc. Mm. And you'll also, of course, you get comments about your own work 
on that day as well. But I don't slavishly, as soon as I've finished an interview, go to Twitter, oh, what yeah. are people thinking? Yeah. And trust me, if, if, you, if you're looking for affirmation or if you're looking for um, kind of confirmation you've done a decent job, Twitter is not the place to go. No, <laughs> it really isn't. No. It, this is completely outside our remit, but it just sparked a question, actually, because something I always wonder now, how have Sky adapted to Twitter? Because like Sky Sports News, in bringing it back to the 90s, well, that was the place to go for when you wanted to watch something or you wanted to need to know what was going on. That was Sky Sports. Now, we, as you say, like most of us, we go to Twitter for our news. How have Sky, like, over the years adapted to not, kind of being that source anymore have they just kind of embraced it to be in involved within it is that how they treat it now i think ash i think there's two two things there in that they one they they as broadcasters now we, we are multi-platform yeah. so we are linear which is our traditional home we are twitter we are insta we're tiktok as well so you're across all platforms mm-hmm. You still have your traditional linear watchers. You also have people who are two or even three screen experienced at the same time, yeah. phone, iPad or computer, and linear on in the background. So, yeah, they, they, they've adapted it, but I think they're certainly, they're not unique if you think of radio stations um, and other TV stations as well. That you have, because of the pace of it, you know, and it's it changed uh, it. It's still quite strange in some ways. The newspapers, when you used to go to a football club in the early days, you'd have a press conference. Then you'd have a separate section for the broadcasters. You'd have a separate section for the dailies. And you'd have a separate section for the Sundays. Now, the fact that the Sundays is still going, Mm -hmm. I like it. Yeah, me too. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I'm all for magazines and print. And I'm, you know, this is a 90s podcast. We embrace all that. That's kind of, we're still stuck in that decade, Jeff. So. (laughs) 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 Which is, uh, I'm a QPR fan. So I I will, I do reveal quite often on this show that um, that's my team. And I will say Top London Club 1993 to get your bingo cards ticked off um, straight away on that. So I'll be the only one in the room who reveals their their teams. That's fine. Um, talking of I old remember, school. I remember, I remember just, just going, staying with it, Ash. I remember having a, a conversation with Sir Alex Ferguson, who, who I, I admire, respect, like all of the above. And I'm sure we, we'll talk about him later. Um. But but one time I remember him saying, "Well, you, you know, you you would say that you're a United fan." And I was interviewing him. <laughs> I said, well, "What do you mean? We suggesting I'm biased?" He said, "No, no, no, no." I said, "Well, hang on." I said, do you think it, "Would it only work?" And it turned it was it wasn't an aggressive thing. It was a pleasant conversation. I said, "It can't just be you know Manchester United fans working in the media." Mm-hmm. I said, "Do you think? Do you think when um, people were kids, they were taken to a game by their parent, the first ever game at the age of five, they might have said." Stop! I should go to Manchester United because one day I might need to want to work in the media. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's a, it's it's all a nonsense anyway, isn't it? Yeah, I always feel whatever the popular team is at the time, that's what everyone then thinks. Like for the last few years, it's been oh, everyone in the media is a Liverpool fan, or everyone you know. I think everyone gets, especially as we go back to social media, everyone gets in that kind. I of... do, I do remember, and this is my last word on it. I promise I won't keep interrupting you, boys, because it's your show, and I'm very much aware of that. I do remember a spell um, when I was still at junior school of supporting QPR. Oh, wow. And it was after, yeah, so that would have been about uh, 
early 70s or mid 70s mm. having seen Jerry Francis yeah. crashing them in against Scotland from what looked like the halfway line at the time <laughs> and uh, I, I loved Jerry so much as a player so I was a QPR fan for a little while Oh, there we go. He's revealed a little bit. We'll take well, that. We'll, yeah. We'll ta- yeah, we'll definitely take we'll that. Take that. Yeah. Well, well, one of the questions we do always ask guests, and I'm, I'm sure you'll be able to talk about this in, in, in great detail, is like, who did you, who were your favourite players of the 90s, Jeff? Who did you enjoy watching in that time? And obviously working with and reporting on, who, who were your go-to guys? It's easy for me um, because it's not just my favourite player from the 90s, but to this date, he's my all-time favourite Premier League footballer. But you have to then look at a, a little bit, look back a little bit at what shaped them. Because the 90s was a glorious era for me because that's when, you know, I, my very first job in television was in 1990. And I was so, I mean, I've been such a lucky boy in many ways, but I fell into football anyway. I fell into television. And then, of course, Sky had the Premier League at the start of 1992 season so I was lucky to be there so for obvious reasons it's a decade that I have a huge amount of affection for Um, when I look at the players around that time I think of Cantonal's impact Mm -hmm. was just extraordinary everything about him he was just pure theatre the arrogance the strut the artistry the fact that he he really did dance to a different beat and he yeah. certainly didn't dance for anybody else unless he felt like it. He was a, a particular favourite of mine. Also, Alan Shearer, because when he moved to Blackburn Rovers, I got to know him. I mean, he was kind enough to write the foreword for my book mm. um, and I got to know him then. And just the, the goals he was banging in the 90s, just utterly utterly ridiculous mm. i mean he he <laughs> and he's a very funny bloke he lives you know he say talk about tricks he said i've only you know people with different skill he said i've only got one trick smash it in the back of the net that's my <laughs> trick <laughs> which he did regularly and with yep. a plomb but it wasn't you know he was scoring tap-ins from 35 yards wasn't he, he just hammers the ball the yeah. whole time but my favorite player of all time in the premier league to date and from the 90s, is Dennis Bergkamp. Oh, <laughs> because, <laughs> for, for a number of reasons, I think he was one of the first players, because, of course, the Premier League is now such a global yeah. gay, uh, league and the amount of foreign players we have. But he was, for me, one of the very, very first players who brought an artistry we hadn't seen before. Just extraordinary, almost balletic. Uh, some of the goals he scored, some of the things he did. And I was fortunate enough to have interviewed him many, many times. Um, I remember going to see him in Amsterdam when he brought his book out, Stillness and Speed. And the standard chat, you know, you guys yeah. have interviewed plenty of people. He said, you know, started kicking the ball against the wall as a kid. I said, for control. He said, no. He said, you learn to understand rotations. Right. Okay. He, <laughs> he said. He said, and then he said. Uh, he said football is like trigonometry. Wow. I said, okay. He said. He said it's quite easy to react in football, but the clever. He said if you can, is to predict is what's going to happen next. He said and that's about your movement. That's about your placing 
and that's about your strategy. And, it just, and then, of course, I asked him, and it's it is my favourite goal. Yeah, yeah, skilled. yeah. And I said, and I had to be respectful. I said, do you understand why people ask you whether or not uh, that was luck? Mm-hmm. He said, of course they do. He said, and it was lucky. I thought, wow, I've got an exclusive here. <laughs> He's admitted that, that goal that looks like genius to us is yeah. lucky. He said, I'll tell you why it was lucky. He said, when I showed for the ball, he said, I wanted the ball on my right foot. He said, Robert Perez fired it in on my left foot. He said, so that was the first bit of luck. He said, the second bit of luck, he said, I knew Dinkos Dabazaz was behind me. He said, but I gambled that he was touch tight. He said, so as soon as I see the ball coming to my left foot, I gambled that he's touch tight so I can flick it around him. He said, if he's a, a yard off me, he takes the ball and I looks like a bad control. I said, so the rest of it? He said, I knew completely what I was doing. Of course I did. <laughs> Absolute genius. Yeah. Genius. Yeah. yeah. I, I like the another fact thing that, about um, him, he, he, he had in his locker, he could be a nasty son. Yeah, he's, well. a, yes. he's a menace. Very much, yeah, yeah. very much so. Yeah. And often overlooked, I might add. <laughs> I might add. But I was, I was about to say that I think I've just been given, handed the best excuse why I was never a professional footballer. I just couldn't get the trigonometry right. No, I could get the math. No, yeah. it. it has nothing to do with talent. I just couldn't get the tr- I just couldn't get the trigonometry well, I, right. I mean, I've said it on this show before, Jeff. I'd argued I still don't think I've seen a player like Dennis Burkham. Like he he was so unique in what he did with a football that I'm not sure anyone's ever been like him. I th- I'm, I'm with you. I think he's certainly the best overseas player. I've ever seen in the Premier League, um, and and it's, Ed's laughing because we've had this argument a lot. <laughs> well, I think it's I think it's hard to argue against Thierry Henry, yeah. because Thierry Henry's um, not just how prolific he was, but the nature of the goals he scored, he was just extraordinary. It's beyond a speed machine. He was just ludicrous. You know what he brought in terms of numbers. Shearer, yeah. look, I mean, still was he two six one, two six three? Yeah, all time leader goal scorer in the Premier League. Look at the injuries he had. No, he's he out missed, for like two he, years. Yeah. He, he missed the fat end of the three seasons. Yeah. He took it across the board. Yeah. Now, Harry Kane's got a good chance of catching him, but he's got to stay injury free. Mm. Shearer's not injured. He's probably posting closer to 400. It's crazy. Yeah. Mad, madness. So I think I think it's a, a very difficult, you know, what, what we've seen in terms of the foreign players that have come here. They've brought us fabulous entertainment and have definitely changed the game in this country. But if you take everything into consideration, just, just going back to Bergkamp, the, the, the funniest thing is when you ask him about, you know, when he looks back at his favourite, it's, it's more than a goal that he, he actually admires or looks back and he's not one for doing so particularly. There's a goal against Juventus at Highbury, which is actually scored by Freddie Jungberg. Okay. And yeah. he gets the ball. If you look this up on YouTube, He goes one way, then the other way, and he's surrounded by four or five Juventus players. And he just, and they think he's trying to work his way towards goal. He just flicks the ball with the outside of his right. Jungberg has ghosted in and scores. And it's the most extraordinary escapology. And all of their faces, it's like the final moment in the usual suspects. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, 
Kaiser Sose yeah. has just left the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice 90s reference as there. Yeah, well, Jeff, well done. Thank you for that. <laughs> right in our remit. Um, let's talk about the book, Jeff, as well. So before we talk about anything else, tell us what it's about. Why Why now? Obviously, it's Christmas is coming up. So perfect timing. Um, tell us all about the, the book that you've, got, you've just got come out. Well, it's three, three decades since uh, I started mm. at Sky. So I thought that was a good yep. landmark um, more than anything else. Uh, and also in lockdown, to be honest with you, I was a bit bored. Yeah, so oh, we all were. Someone opened a pub <laughs> on Twitter, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish I'd known about that. I might have joined in. Um, yeah, I was, I was a little bit bored in lockdown. And uh, a few people had said to me about it previously um, because it's it has been, uh, it has been an extraordinary three decades plus for me. I thought, well, why not? Uh, but then you, you start thinking about the type of book you wanted to do. I didn't want to do just a, a series of anecdotes. There's lots of those out there that are very, very good. I didn't want to do one that was just straightforward journalism, how to be a journalist as such. Not that anybody should take lessons from me. And also about football itself. So I kind of tried to bundle everything up together right across the board, including my, you know, my early life. Uh, and it, it's not a potted history of Sky, but obviously that features prominently in there because they've been my only employer for the last 30 odd years. Um, so it's a little bit of everything. What the journey, I wanted, the two questions I get asked the most guys is how did you get into yeah. what you do for a living and what is it like? And that's broadly what I wanted to answer. So I wanted to, if you like, lift the veil a little, let people see what it's like, the broadcasting world, what it's like behind the scenes, what it's like to go through things when it goes really well and equally when it goes really badly. Mm-hmm. And a few other bits and pieces, including when I was, unfortunately, I was very unwell and had um, a mental health episode that really affected me and looked like it was going to finish not just my career, but yeah. my, my working life as I knew it as well. So. I wanted to put it all out there. Mm. It's got some great stories in there. And Ed, I know you've, you've got the book and you've been picking out some stories. I, it's on my Christmas yeah. list, Jeff, so I'm desperate I've, to read it. I'm reading the book um, at the moment. And the two two things I'll say about that is that, um, first of all, Jeff, you mentioned the mental health thing. I just finished that chapter last night, funnily enough. And um, I didn't see that coming. Um, which is, um, and I think, really enough, neither did I. Yeah, of course, yeah, <laughs> of course, yeah. But so I, I, think, I think it's really important to talk about the mental health. Uh, very, very important. I thought that was a great chapter. I just did, like you say, you didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming in the book. It was amazing. And the other, <clears throat> the biggest compliment I can pay your book is that there are so many stories in it that if I, if I was to reveal ten of them now, from what I've read already, it wouldn't spoil it for anybody. You know what I mean? There's that many. There's that many stories. So, so you've picked a couple of out, haven't you? Yeah. So, how did? So, we're going to start with Italia ninety. So, you you got to Italia ninety. I'd love to know who you got some advice from. When I went to Italia ninety, well, you have to almost rewind a bit because it's not like I got to Italia ninety because I was a a junior journalist or a junior. No, uh, I was. uh, I left school at eighteen. Sorry, I left school when I was. 16. I got chucked out of school. I had two O-levels to my name. Needed a job. I was mad about football, music, socialising. Don't ask why, and I don't know how. It remains to this day. I really like houses. I like buildings. Um, my wife's so the same, mate. My wife's the same, Jeff. She's she's obsessed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I, I like buildings. So I got a job in a local estate agent. I liked it. I enjoyed it. 
worked my way up when I was about 23, 24. I decided I actually wanted to be a developer, started building houses for myself. And I was playing football a few times a week, five side, playing at the weekends. I was quite friendly with a lot of the Arsenal and Watford players because they had properties in St Albans, where I'm from. So that was um, all fine. And then the market crashed and I lost everything. I went absolutely skin. And when I say skin, I mean skin. I mean beans on toast every day. Mm. Uh, no car, nothing. Really, really skin. And I know there's people worse off than that, of course. So, so it's all relative. And then um, I went to see my pal one day looking for a bit of a pick-me-up. A great friend of mine called Kev Luckhurst. And he's on the phone. He went, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, the guy you need, he's just walked to my office. Yeah, I'll sort it out, put the phone down. He said, I've just got your job. I said, oh, great. I said, who is it? He said, it's my brother. And I know his brother, Brian. I thought, oh, that's, um... I said, what, so you need some land clearing, a bit of help with some properties? He said, no, it's my brother, Mick, the former American footballer. He's working at Italian 1990. He's looking for someone to carry his bags. I said, do you do it? Now, had it been his other brother who wanted a patio laying or something like that, I'd have snatched his, have snatched his hand off because I'm absolutely skin. Um, so, anyway, by, after a couple of fairly disastrous trial runs, more of which you can read in the book, uh, I get this job. I get this job out of nowhere. Um, going back to your point, Ed, is this is how, you know, you talk about sliding doors moment. My mum, Jean, used to play squash with John Watson's wife. Brilliant. And she Love said that. to Anne, Anne, who is a lovely lady, she said, uh, my, my son, Geoffrey, uh, he's, he's working at the World Cup. Do you think John would help him? Of course he will. I didn't know John. Um, and he was just wonderful. So welcoming. Showed me how to write a commentator's board, notes and stuff like that. But this was just such an alien world to me. I'd worked in property. I, you know, of course, I've been to watch loads of football. I've played football. I liked football. I, I really enjoyed football. But literally, it's like me asking you guys now. It's like me asking you two, I don't know, to be a plumber tomorrow. Yeah. You've got to be a plumber. I, yeah, I really wouldn't. Yeah. You, you no. really are talking to the wrong <laughs> yeah. two people. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> so you, you think, oh, whoa, okay. But when I got there, I just absolutely loved it. And I thought, it, you know, not just how fantastic an experience it was, but to a degree, I, I, I'm a natural journalist, to a degree, without sounding arrogant. Um, and also football and television. I, I just networked like mad while I was there. But, of course, you're still a million miles away from a job. Mm. But when I came back, Sky was just starting out. So some of the connections I've made at the World Cup, I was in odd jobs for them here and there, little bits and pieces. And then uh, I got the call from Sky mm. as, a, as a fixer. You know, yeah. don't be under any illusion. I went there as a reporter. No, I, no. We, you're talking phone basher. Somebody yeah. used to ring around the clubs and say, any news? We've got a we've yeah. got news, six o'clock news round. Mm. It was just, and it was such a, a great time. And we were all just, so, we were just, Everyone there, you know, they had some big hitters in terms of broadcasting experience in front of the camera and behind. But they were all, you know, in those days, you had match of the day or obviously prior to that, it was obviously the big match was way before, mm -hmm. but there's very little bit of football focus. There was very little build-up. And there wasn't the kind of extensive coverage you got in newspapers and magazines on screen. Yeah, And because we were all football fans, everybody in the department... That's what we wanted. Mm. So that's that, and that's what we were after. 
Yeah. I, I still remember that first season and when you saw games kicking off at four o'clock and you got the build up from like one. It two, was kind two. of no, we're on it we're on it we're on air at two. We're it, on air at two. And it was but it was so as a as a kid growing up, it was brilliant. It was like I want to consume all this football and it was such a radical idea. But at the same time, as you say, like why aren't we doing this? Like America have done it, they used to do that sort of thing. Then the Monday night football, which I remember because it was QPR were the first ever Monday night football, so they always Man you know, City, one one, yeah, Andy Andy Sinton, Andy Sinton top top yeah, absolutely screamer and fireworks it, it, fireworks uh, dancing uh, uh, girls boys we, yeah. boys boys we're in the zone now uh, of course yeah. alive and kicking alive and kicking still sends a tingle down my yeah. spine yeah um the, the advert yeah. with everybody in it uh just everything about it it was so exciting it was it was revolutionary in terms of television yeah. because we had it wasn't that the people at bbc or itv didn't have the same ability of course they did they had plenty of people there who were good at this sort of thing they just didn't have the time. Yeah. yeah. And where this all came from was there was a guy at our place called David Hill who'd been mm. involved with Kerry Packer and the revolution of cricket in Australia. He literally came in, blank sheet of paper like that, went, right, there you go. That's the rule book. And there was nothing <laughs> written on it. Brilliant. Nothing. He said, he said, tear it up, make it different. But of course, we were looking, a lot of people were suspicious of us. Yeah. Because we were trying to make friends. We were trying to get people on side. And also, you cannot, you cannot serve up tosh to the English or the, the British public with regard to football. They know their stuff. Mm. You know, okay, we had gimmicks and stuff on on match days, but the content had to be genuinely journalistically valuable. Otherwise, people would have binned us after five minutes. Yeah. People can yeah. see through all the gimmicks. You've got to have good content. Yeah, yeah. And Jeff, one of the one of the things we we sometimes talk about on this show, or refer back to with nostalgia, is is obviously the the dancers and the sumo wrestlers and the and the fireworks and all that. What I didn't know until I read your book was why the fireworks stopped. Could you possibly <laughs> could you possibly give us um just a, a quick line as to what happened? Um there was a dog well, involved three. at one point and you there's, know there's, there's three first you mentioned the sumo wrestlers. Um I remember getting a taxi at Oldham one time to go to the ground and the first said to me, You from Sky? I said yeah. He said, Oh we're going to the game tonight. I saw you an Oldham fan. He said, No, I can't stand bloody football. I said, why, why, are you going, why are you going to the game then? He said, taking kids, sumo wrestlers, fireworks, dancers. He said, I've heard it's bloody great. <laughs> no, I don't know if that's a very good older accent, but there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. so that, that, that was that. Fireworks, right. I can give you... It was kind of... <laughs> it, the fireworks were... were mm, as we put it, it was an experiment that didn't quite work. Monday night, Man City... Um, Roy Booker, lovely cameraman, lovely fella. Um, a Catherine wheel set light to his sky jacket, so he, no. he wasn't too impressed with me. Yeah, <laughs> lovely bloke, Roy. So after that, he went in the studio as a cameraman. He thought it was too dangerous. I bet, yeah. Don't <laughs> yeah. blame him. But, then, and a few weeks later, we did a game at the Dell, and this poor bloke was filling up his car with petrol somewhere near the Dell, and a rocket went past him 100 miles an hour at head height and frightened the life out of him. Yeah, I uh, so he handed that, uh, the, the remnants of it, into the club, saying he was none too impressed. And then we got a letter from a lady saying that her cat had died of a heart attack. What a cat, due to the not fire- a dog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> due to the fireworks. So the um, the fireworks quietly went oh, away at yeah, that point. Yeah, yeah. amazing. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just amazed that 
I'd never heard that story before. Yeah, until it's a I great story. Up. Yeah. Funny um, enough, it's not one that Sky uh, trumpet loudly. Yeah, I can. I mean, we started the show by talking about Twitter. Yeah, we started we started the show by talking about Twitter, and it was like, could you imagine if that happened today? Yeah, I mean, the, the, it would be all over the news. You know, yeah. you words, say that. You, know, you so. say that. I did. I I did Everton Leicester recently, yeah. and it was on firework night, and the game was stopped for five minutes because a, a rocket, whatever you call it, the stick, the the shaft, yeah. it yeah. landed five five yards onto the pitch. Oh wow! Yeah, and we didn't know that. That, 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 hits, that, that hits you. It's going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. Didn't yeah, that happen too, once right. at Wolves? Didn't someone get hit by a firework? Do I remember? I was there that day. No, that, yeah. that was that that was not humorous. No, that was horrific. They were on the far it? side yeah. of the ground, and basically they were in holders, and one of them collapsed. So instead of shooting up the air, uh, 150 feet in the air, uh, at whatever miles an hour, it's gone horizontally across the pitch, and I think it struck somebody in the face. Yeah, that was terrifying. Yeah, I kind of remember that. That was yeah, that wasn't that wasn't very yeah. nice. Don't don't go near fire- fireworks and football. Do not mix. No, yeah, no, we're learning that for sure. We're definitely <laughs> learning that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. You mentioned that, that exciting time, Jeff. Like how? I mean, and as a young what reporter journalist, what you were learning? I mean, how was it for you? Just being around kind of this new breed of football, whole new ball game, as it was coined at the time. You know, we mentioned alive and kicking in that advert all the time. Obviously, the podcast is named after it. How did did you feel the excitement, and did you feel like football was changing in this country? Oh, massively, massively. It was. We felt that we were at the forefront. Uh, we felt we were pioneers. We thought we were the buccaneers. We thought we were adventurous. Um, and also, as well, lots of the smaller clubs never used to get on television. So it was always dominated by the big clubs, but we were being fair to everybody. So they were keen to open up their doors, let us in, and to befriend us. And of course, you know, I was a football fan. Mm. I'd never been involved in football. And all of a sudden, my, my, a chap who was hugely influential in my career was my producer, Andy Melvin, uh, who had previously been a reporter and presenter himself in Scotland. And he was in charge of the football output at Sky. And right at the start, he said to me, he said, son, you'll love this. He said, because to start with, to get stories, which is part of your job, to get people on side, you'll socialise with the players, you'll drink with the players, and you'll be going out with them um, all the time. And, I, and he said, then, when you get a little bit older, you will gravitate towards the managers. Yeah. Because purely because of age and you've got more in common with them. All of that is true. All I'd say now is I hang out with the fucking chairman. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, even the, even the owners now are younger than me. So, yeah, <laughs> know, we were having this discuss, was, discussion the other day. It was, that It was great. It was you great. remember the, uh, I don't just remember managers from playing now. I actually remember some of the managers' debuts, like Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough. I'm kind of like, I'm getting to the point in my life now, not only do I remember him playing, but I remember his actual debut and it makes me feel, you know, it's, it is what it is, Jeff. It is what it is. I'm waiting, Ash. I'm waiting to become a granddad. Not with my own children, um, but I've interviewed countless players and have relationships with countless players whose dad I interviewed on many yeah. occasions. I'm waiting for my third generation player. We can't be we can't be far away. If you think somebody who was towards the end so thirty odd years isn't ago. Ian Wright's grandson, isn't he playing it for Stoke? For Stoke. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, I haven't interviewed him yet. Yeah. <laughs> so getting, there, there's a possibility. Close. This game is getting close, yeah. Is for sure. Correct. Um Something Ed you mentioned to me before we started talking to Jeff as well was the first yeah. Super Sunday quite yes. as well. Jeff, you had an important role to play in the first ever Super Sunday as well. So uh, Ed was telling me. 
Oh, absolutely. As I, as I tell everybody, and it is factually correct, I personally... Now, when Rupert Murdoch decided to invest millions, in fact, turned into billions. hundreds of millions, probably billions in English <laughs> football, I was the person asked to give it the thumbs up before it could go ahead. <laughs> and, that's, and that is factually correct. The detail is, on that first Super Sunday, I was a trainee floor manager, and I had to give Mike Reed, the referee at the city ground, Nottingham Forest against Liverpool, Brian Clough, Graham Stunas. I had to give him the thumbs up to say he could kick off. Mm. So there you go. That's it. That's I, started, it. I started a TV football <laughs> revolution. <laughs> Goes down in folklore. Goes down in folklore indeed. Um, Ed, what else did you pick out from the bit, mate? Yeah, so uh, there's a couple of things that I've picked out from the book. Um, Jeff, I'm going to... I'm going to sort of jump around here a bit because I think it's, it's just, as I say, there's just so many, so many great stories. Uh, my favourite so far, I think, is who you've chaperoned to an England versus Argentina game in the World Cup <laughs> and, and, and how, how that came about. Because the way you describe it, I was saying to Ash beforehand, there's, I don't know if you ever used to watch The Far Show, but there's a character that used to say, which was nice. You know, everything was just so matter of fact. And it just seems like, oh, yeah, I just... Or Matt, um, do you want to talk, talk to us about that? Um, I, I, I was at 1998 World Cup and uh, I was just there as a, as a guest. I, I met a guy, a lovely man called Lance Yates, who <clears throat> had brought back the Admiral brand. Terry Venables had done some stuff for them. Dave Seaman had done some stuff. And I was just a friend of his. And we were at a game. He said, I'll come back next week if we get to the quarterfinals. He said, but... He said, the, the, the organisation here is chaos. He said, would you mind? Chaps, I'm just going to cough. <coughs> Excuse me. He said, uh, I want to bring a pal. He said, but I need a bit of security. I said, yeah, no problem. He said, can you help out? I said, sure. I said, who's your pal then? He said, well, it's Mick Jagger. I said, okay. <laughs> Amazing. He said, he, said, he said, would you mind helping out? Now, bear I'm a massive Rolling Stones fan. <laughs> I'd have, I'd have crawled over broken glass. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, I organised this. Jagger arrives, private plane. They're on tour in Amsterdam. There's about 10 of them. He's the only stone. He's got his son, Jimmy, who's about 10 or 11 at the time. I'll never forget. He's, he's landed at this little airport, this at Etienne. As he's walking across the tunnel, this other jet is about to take off. It goes screaming out. Also, it screeches the hole. Smoke coming off the tyres. Pilot gets out, runs across, gets Jagger's autograph, gets back in the plane. Then I had two because I phoned the French authorities who were their normal. Uh, yeah, look, I've got subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you help with security? Not, not, can I? Um, you know, don't want to cause it. Not, not, not. It totally blanked me, didn't want to know. I said, to, Look, it can cause a problem when he's there because of the attention. No, no, who is it? I said, it's Mick Jagger. Mick Jagger? You have Mick Jagger? Mick Jagger wants to come to the game? Well, it, it's as though I said it was uh, the Queen herself. Yeah. And they provided police outriders, vehicles, security, straight under the stadium, the whole bit. And we actually went for dinner beforehand. And um, he asked to sit opposite me, because um, Lance said he wants to talk football. Really knowledgeable. Arsenal fan, really, really knowledgeable. In fact, in the game, when Bex got sent off, Oh, down to 10 men. He, he went, yeah, well, he'll, he'll play sheer up top of his own, won't he, and put Merson left-hand side. <laughs> really, really knew his stuff. Yeah. And then anyway, we had a great trip. 
Um, he went back, and then as a thank you, I got a message a few days later saying, um, loved it, would you like to be a guest at a gig on Friday, Amsterdam, come backstage and hang out with the guys. Wow. That's, that is a, fan, that is a fantastic story. Um, Jeff, I'm going to say, I think, and I don't want to ruin the book because obviously there are people going to have to buy it, you know, who want to buy it. There's a little bit you left out in that story. Go on. <laughs> I think. Uh, how do you get home after meeting Mick Jagger? Oh yeah, I forgot that bit. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Come, yeah. Come on, come on. Give us, give us the, give us the, give yeah. us the lowdown. How did, how did you get home? So it'd gone well, and I, I, I uh, Nick said to me, he said, "What are you doing now?" And I said, uh, "Well, I've missed my flight. I'll go back into town. I'll get a cheap hotel. I'll go home tomorrow." Uh, I said, "England are out, so I won't be coming back out." <clears throat> he said, "We do me a favour." I said, "Sure. What do you want?" He said, come with us in the jet, drop me and the guys off in Amsterdam. Would you take my son Jimmy home to his mum, Jerry Hall, in Richmond? I said, yeah, no problem. So we dropped them off in Amsterdam, arrive at Heathrow, middle of the night. No pesky passport control or anything like that. There's a limo waiting on the tarmac. Into the limo out. I carry a 10-year-old James Jagger. Jerry Hall's there in a dressing gown. Take, put him in the bed. Thank you very much. And the car takes me home. That's insane. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I, I just kept, I just keep reading this book and going, no, that didn't happen. No, that didn't happen. But it actually did. It's has amazing. Them, has anyone taken the movie rights to this book yet, Jen? Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like a TV series or a, a Netflix special. Who would play Jeff Shreves in a in a in a yeah. Netflix special? Eh? Well, well ju- judging by this, it would be Jeff Shreves. Which this is a nice, <laughs> this is a nice um, segue actually, yes, in terms of actors. So I'm moving on to another huge star now jeff and i think you know where i'm going to go with this can you talk to us about michael kane for a moment as well because michael kane pops up in the book as well which i just think is amazing yeah i mean it, it was um to cut a long story short i i had the idea of getting michael kane on because we always used to give big game we used to give the names like showdown face off yeah, you know, yeah, yeah crunch yeah. and stuff like that yeah and when so when England were playing Italy in 1990, uh, to, sorry, to get to the 1998 World Cup, the, the aforementioned, yeah. that's to get a point. So I sat around the office and I said, well, it's obvious, isn't it? I said, it's the Italian job. Yeah. We need Michael Caine. And they looked at me, yeah. I said, yeah, great idea. We also need about 250 grand to pay him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, okay, fine. So I sent off a fax. I got... <laughs> I got I got a number. Uh, my great friend Jackie Beltrow at Sky, who she joined on the same day as I. Uh, her sister worked in theatre, and she had a list of all theatrical performers' agents. So I got Michael. I got a fax, and it was he was listed. This guy was this is Michael Michael Caine's um, rest of world agent. So he obviously had an English agent. Mm. But, I thought, well, what do you mean, rest of world? Is there somebody who does his extraterrestrial stuff as well? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was bizarre. Anyway, so I sent off this fact saying, would you come out and chat? Anyway, on the Monday, I'm walking past Topshop in Oxford Street. My mobile phone goes, hello? Hello, is that Jeff? It's Michael Kane here. <laughs> I said, fuck off, Keyes. Because <laughs> <laughs> Richard Keyes is a, is, is a very good broadcaster and also... Uh, a fine mimic. He said, uh, 
I've got, I'll, I'll add your facts. I said, please, he wouldn't ring this quickly and he wouldn't ring himself. He'd get his agent. Voice goes, I have had this before. So I'm now pedaling backwards. Yeah. He's like, yeah. He, he said, yeah. So anyway, he did the interview. The next day, he was, all I can tell you is the, the old adage, the bigger the star, the nicer they are. Mm. He was unbelievable. He was an absolute superstar, a gentleman. At one point towards the end of it, I said to him, um, will you do me a pro now? He said, what do you mean by that? I said, I've even written a little script. You know, oh, good. He said, I said, just look down the barrel of the lens and say, listen, Glenn, I tried to pull off the Italian job, didn't quite manage it. Good luck to you and the boys. So he does it. He said, how's that? I said, just do it once more, but I really... And then I stopped myself and went, am I telling Sir Michael Caine how <laughs> to act? Yeah. He said, you are some, but it's enthusiasm and I like it. And he did it again. Brilliant. <laughs> it's amazing that whatever you say, you can just hear Michael Caine's voice. Isn't it? It's such yeah. a... Well, it's so... yeah. I, I, I've had that levelled at me previously anyway, because let's be honest. I, I always describe my people say um, because of FIFA and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. They say oh, I've got a distinctive voice. I have. I sound like Michael Caine on a bad day with a bad cold. <laughs> <laughs> You've done all right for yourself, Jeff. Nevertheless, yeah. so yeah. yeah, and obviously the FIFA stuff as well. Um, I'm, pr- I'm conscious of your time, and I wanted to ask you. You mentioned him earlier, Alex Ferguson. You obviously had a great relationship with him over the years that started in our decade that we uh, we talk about as well. I mean, and I remember his famous shoulder barge on the pitch at you later on in the but Inside, yeah, yeah. Uh, how how did that relationship kind of develop, and how how sort of fondly do you see it now from from that time in the nineties onwards? Hugely, I've got huge warmth towards him. Often, I see him at Old Trafford, and uh, the first thing he normally says to me is. You need to go on a diet. Is normally the thing he says. To me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like him enormously. Um, I think he was—he's been the most important manager in the Premier League by far. Yeah. Because you know wh- where we got so lucky, Sky was Manchester, having not won it for twenty-six years. Yeah. The biggest, probably the biggest club in the world. Um, so it was important we had him on side, but it was a challenge where, again, we were fortunate Andy Melvin had worked with him in Aberdeen, so knew what he was like, knew the good side, knew the bad side. And what I always say about Fergie is the same thing. He's not always a nice guy, but in the main, he is always a good guy. Yeah. And by that, mean he does it in the right way. He does it in a professional manner. He's tough. He's tough. But, you know, when you interviewed him, often his answers, it was agenda-driven, whether it was dropping a little grenade in the other manager's mind, a message to his players, a message to his fans, a message to the board. He was such a clever man. And he if he thought you were trying to make a name for yourself, headlines off of him, he'd cut you down within mm-hmm. seconds. But equally, if you're a sycophant and didn't challenge him at all, he'd cut you down. So it had to be the right balance. Yeah. And we, I had a fabulous relationship. There were times when we were banned. I mean, it's a, a rite of passage for any journalist to be banned by Sir Alex <laughs> when they were working with him. Mm. We were banned on numerous occasions. I had a couple of massive bust-ups with him, huge bust-ups. But they were, you know, they were quickly, I mean, one threatened to turn physical at one point. But they, they, they literally, they were repaired very quickly. And he was, he was brilliant, honestly. And when he... Uh, I also were uh, involved in a charity called Legends of Football. We raised yeah. money for music therapy. We've done it for 
I've oh, been to a couple of your events, then. Jeff. I've been to a couple of oh, your good. events. Yeah. Oh, good. I hope you enjoyed it. But they're, they're good. They're yeah. a good night out. We're different, you know, because it's music and football combined for music therapy. And uh, to this day, he still holds the record for the most money raised. Oh, Every wow. time I see him, he says, this is what a winner he is. He says, has anybody beat my record? <laughs> <laughs> says it all, doesn't it? That says it all. Uh, yeah. um, before we let him go, Ed, I mean, anything else you want to... I've got one more area I was going to ask Jeff, but anything else you wanted to pick out that... Um... I could talk to Jeff all day, I think. I've got so we many questions I like that. Um, Jeff, one of the, obviously the, 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 touchline, the touchline reporter uh, is a very crucial part and became a very crucial part of Sky from the off. Obviously, the guy that we knew when we were younger was Nick Collins. Mm, yeah. How big of an influence was Nick Collins on your career, um, first and foremost? And secondly, this is a personal one because my dad always wants to know this. There's a guy that always sits next to you at every game and he's got white hair and you always see you <laughs> on a tap. <laughs> okay. In, in, in two, my in dad always says, that bloke goes to every game. I don't know who he is. So who is he? <laughs> okay, I'll oh, start with the night. Did I do it again? It's okay. Oh, that, Carry on, um, Jeff. It's all right. Yeah, that's, that, that is that is John Smart, our legendary right. floor manager, uh, who he'll tell you he's he, he hasn't got white hair. He'll say in his Nottinghamshire tones, he'll say strawberry blonde. <laughs> <laughs> and John did a great job for us because as the floor manager, you're the point of contact, the referees, the managers, and he's got such a lovely way about him. A very you know, Alex Ferguson was really liked. John was really warm towards him. Because he's just an older guy. People have got that respect for him. I don't work so much with him now, but funny enough, I work a lot with his son, Brett, um, who is also a very, very good floor manager too. And that that was John's role, uh, speaking to the managers, to the referees, etc. So that's why people used to see John all the time. In fact, he John had a heart attack at Old Trafford one day and uh, was rushed to hospital. And they saved his life. And about six weeks later, eight weeks later, I saw Fergie. He said, a bloody John Smart. I keep ringing him. He keeps hanging up on me. Just checking he's okay. I said, I'll speak to our ring Smarty. <laughs> I said, how are you, Chacha? I said, by the way, why do you keep hanging up on Fergie? I said, oh, is that who it was? Couldn't understand the word he said. <laughs> 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 and Alec was just trying to pass on his best wishes. Uh, as for Nick Collins, Nick was one of a number of people. Uh, again, I was so lucky. I was like a sponge when I went there. As I said, I didn't know anything about broadcasting or journalism what, or interviews whatsoever. One of the biggest things I learned from Nick, it actually, was a, it was a wake-up call for me. You see Nick, he'd, get, he'd do, go to a training ground or he'd come back with the rushes He'd write a little script, he'd do a voiceover, smooth as silk, he'd have the whole done lot, bish, bash, boss, in about half an hour, ready to go to air, a lovely two, two and a half minute package. So when I first started doing my voiceovers, I thought, oh, I've seen Nick, you'd half an hour to do it, then you write the word, get it done within it. Well, of course, I'm still sweating about four or five hours later, nowhere near the thing, I put a shambles of a performance in. Nick made it look so easy, and the other thing about Nick, <clears throat> he was, when I was the floor manager, He's in, Nick is entirely devoid of ego. If I get a great line about, you know, so-and-so is missing because of this injury or whatever, he'd be the first to thank you. He never felt that I was intruding on his territory. He, he was a joy to work with, a real joy to work with. 
Jeff, to finish us off then, I mean, is there, talking of our decade specifically, I mean, is there a, a couple of moments that you wanted to pick out that you remember quite fondly, whether it be a fan or a broadcaster um, from, from that era? I mean, we all remember Ron Atkinson. I think you were involved with the headphones being thrown, yeah, one of those when, moments. Yeah, when he fell out, when he fell out uh, with the Monday night crew. And he, he meant to throw them across the room. It was a show of disgust. And he actually, he's smart, he's sharp cookie, Ron. Because they're giving him stick for his team for Coventry City. He went, oh, by the way, who was the man on the map? That's not that wrong impersonation. <laughs> you know? was, hey, your way, impersonation boys. has been on point tonight, actually, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> by the way, boys, who was the man on the match tonight? Uh, and he's going, uh, uh, I think it was Dave Besson, their goalkeeper. Yeah, so their goalkeeper is the man on the map. We can't have been too bad. See ya. <laughs> and he's throwing these cans. He's hit me straight in the chops. And then oh, he no. go back across. He goes back across the room. Oh, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> now, honestly, there's too too many to mention bet, because yeah. it, it was just fabulous times being, you know, not just around players like some sort of hanger on, but, you know, we were making television. We were getting people on side. Yeah. And the, the goals that you see, mm-hmm. uh, the, the moments you witness, Manchester United's dominance was incredible. And then, of course, you, uh, towards you get Blackburn and what they did was, was yeah. just extraordinary. Up until Leicester City did it, um, we'd never seen it like it since. And arguably, Leicester obviously didn't spend the money that yeah. Uncle Jack did. And then, of course, the emergence of Arsene Wenger... Uh, with his title-winning teams yeah. as well. So just a, a, a fabulous decade the 90s were for football. Yeah. I mean, I just, listen, it couldn't start... It's probably my favourite decade because it... My favourite decade because it was the decade I started yeah. working in football and in television. So, so how can it not be? Well, we always say on here, it's the decade that changed football. And my, my line is always, if you take a snapshot of 1990 and in 1999, I don't think football changes so much within one decade than it did in the 90s, thanks to things like Sky and the Champions League and the Bosman and the, you mentioned Burkamp and Jurgen Klinsmann, all that. I think it's, and that's just why we've done nearly 200 episodes talking about the same decade. So, uh, you, Listen, as they say, they don't, they don't make nostalgia like they used to. Yep, true. And and also as well, if, I'm not. I know there are some people. Oh, you think football only started in 1992? That's nonsense. Of course, I, I used to. Watch, I still watch occasionally on YouTube. I watch the big match. Yeah. I watch old stuff like love. I love watching that mm. stuff. I really enjoy that stuff. And football evolves. And we we were fortunate enough to be around at Sky. We gave it a canvas. Mm. The clubs are the people who took that. And ran with it, and I, and I say this. I don't. I generally don't say this to be a sycophant, but I've always said the same thing. Most important people in football, certainly not television, it's not the players, it's the fans. Mm. The fans, the most important people, because they make the game what it was. They pay for all this. They pay. They pay for the subscriptions and mm. pay the clubs. They are the most important. And what we saw with with the Super League. And when they, when they take fans like that, you have to resist that. You have to. Because you think about it, guys. You think of, say, the England international hockey team. Those those men and women, the two teams, they'll train like footballers. They're as professional as footballers. But because they don't have the same number yeah. of people watching it, there isn't the same finance in the game. Mm-hmm. So, 
that's that's the and that's the great thing in ours world. It, it's a much more pleasant experience going to football. Way yeah. more. Look, we can we can reminisce about it. You look back at the a lot of the old grounds. They were dangerous. They were dangerous yeah. places. Yeah. It's easy to oh, you know, we were standing on the tip. The people getting swept over. Oh, it, was, it was not good. Not mm. good at all. Um, Although Loftus Road remains some elements of the old grounds, which uh, <laughs> the nice parts of the old grounds. So. Well, I, actually, I did um, Fulham Manchester United on Sunday, and, and I've always said it. Bar none, Craven Cottage is my favourite Premier League ground. And I'm not a Fulham fan. I just think for authenticity, for history, for atmosphere, for bit as a football ground, I think it's wonderful. I love it. I love Fulham Football Club. Yeah. Best walk in football, that is, from the tube station to the ground as well. I agree. I yeah, agree. Definitely. Jeff, oh, thank boys, you very really, much. Oh, thank you. I've really, really enjoyed being on. I'm, I'm sorry if I talked so much about myself i guess that's, hey, no, of, that's no one wants to hear about us jeff so we'll, you know, you, you, <laughs> as, about, as part of having uh, a book out i guess yeah uh, but talk about the 90s we could do this all day we, we yeah, yeah we literally could we, we normally yeah. do actually so yeah thank you very much <laughs> good luck with the book obviously as we said it's out all good good places get it for christmas um this has been alive and kicking until next time keep it 90s I love-